Welcome back to What Have You. This I'm, is Rachel Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel. And here we are, sitting in the sunshine of Idaho, yeah. unbelievably acting like it's, spring right it's now. It's been like the wettest, soggiest, most bleary spring yet. You've and been today, with, it, with us through it. We've yeah. been commenting every time on it. <laughs> My boys play lacrosse, and we've basically had no games. It's like it keeps getting canceled because the fields are rained out. Too muddy again. to walk on. Like, anyway, today we have a doubleheader. Junior high, then high school, which means the fields can be walked upon. Yeah, we go to the, exciting. so we had junior high track meet yesterday, and I love the track meets, but the thing that it makes me feel is simultaneously much younger than I am, and then on the other hand, much older than I am. Do you <laughs> like, love the track meets? I get, love track oh, meets. Oh, I hate a track meet. Yeah, no, but you I didn't mean, do track, and I did, so uh, there's something about it. No, it's, I like the races. What I dislike is the ridiculous disorganization that happens. Actually, there have been some really well-organized runs this year, like where I've like, been impressed. Guys, we could do better. It's like okay, everybody runs were a no... 100, and then they start wandering around for 45 minutes calling people. No, they, ready they've for been the doing really one. pretty good this year. But really? they've been doing the ones where they have like the guy with the bullhorn lining up all the heats mm. of the 100. So they actually have like six races of the 100 all lined up at one time. I don't know, but they never get cracking. It's always like here. They've been doing good. They've do been doing good. Do a bunch of fake starts yeah. over and over and over. I and have over. some kids who are not old enough for track who are like intoxicated by the thought of track. So they just run around on the infield with their eyes sparkling oh, wildly the whole right. time. They like pretend they're having races little on the foe. infield. You yeah. Know they told us we weren't allowed to go across there. We go across <laughs> there. So I don't like just let them loose for the day, oh, but we do funny. go on the infield. People. Maybe this was the high school track meet. They were probably like, we would not away do that. from the track and the field. Well, that's because of discus and stuff, but the, they were not, it was not happening. Also, I think the other thing is, they were like, please, parents, stay in the stands. Let the coaches be the coaches. We don't oh. need you all over the field coaching everyone in renegade fashion. That's funny. <laughs> well, that's high school. That's yeah. a different scene. Yeah, we're Junior in, high, it's like, nobody yeah, it's knows. A it's, bit more. it's pretty cash. Yeah. The funny part about it is that my daughter running a 400, which was a race that I mostly ran i was 400 runner she Which looks kind of the killer race really she looks no but it is up there with the 800 and and the hurdles it's up there but it, it it's like too long to actually just sprint the right. whole thing but it is too um short to jog. short to yeah. slow down so basically you end up living in that world yeah and um you look like you died somewhere around the 300 <laughs> you and then that last like when you're waiting at the finish line it's like everybody looks like they're just going out of business the whole way <laughs> and, and it feels like that it's horrible and they are going I always remember that last 100 you like when we're practicing it or I remember our coach Gwen Spencer in high school like you round the corner and you're like, I'm down to the last, it's just a straightaway. But I remember just staring at her feet and they would not get bigger. Like <laughs> you are running as fast as you can, as hard mm. as you can, and you never are getting closer I to the person. I think that's a metaphor for my housekeeping. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but who, what you is run, Gwen you Spencer? Run, you what run. is Gwen? <laughs> you keep thinking that organization is it makes somewhere, it makes me somewhere feel, to be found. It makes me feel though like I go to the track meet and I'm like, oh, 
I'll just run a 400 with you to show you how yeah. to pace yourself or what. And I'm like, or what am I thinking? Like if yeah. I tried to run a 400 right now, what would it be? Six minutes? I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But I'm pretty curious. Like I'm gonna now. I feel like we have to go to the track and try. Mm. Now I think I'll probably die after like you're gonna get back a 100 back in your high school track groove. No, but I just start feeling like I need to know if I can run a 400. Still, Mm. there's something about that. You know what? I don't need to know that because I know that it would be dismal. That would be pretty bad for me, too. I would be surprised if I could really... I would not surprise myself with any good news. No, I think... (laughs) I don't think I would get good news, either. There's just some part of me that feels like I need to know. It's like a rock that has to be flipped over. We should say, for the listeners, because we left everyone hanging with the brain surgery. Yeah, we did. That he made it through his brain surgery. Yesterday. And the tumor was successfully removed... But it was really, the surgeon who's been doing it for a long time said it was, I think he's been doing it for like 20 years, right? He's done like 1,300 of these. Yeah, and he said it was one of the worst ones that he has done. So we were all really glad when he got moved to recovery because it was a solid like hour and something longer than they thought it would take. Yeah, it was quite So that last little stretch was a little bit long. The hour was long. It was a little long. It was long. I was like, they said 1240, right? So why is it 130? What's happening? Like how come we have not heard? So... I know, and I kept looking at my phone, and then I had a bunch of tedious other things happening in that hour because... Not tedious. Oh. Flashbang. <laughs> flashbang overboard. Yeah, it, there was a flashbang overboard that was Tedious happening. is like long, slow well, okay. labor. But it was tedious because you kept waiting for the news from Yeah, me. it was like, weirdly... Waiting, like, we were waiting for the text, waiting for the text, and meanwhile... I teach um, every day, and yesterday was the, uh, we talked about last week, I was making the dress for my daughter's formal thing. Well, the seniors and the juniors, they go off and do a formal dinner, um, and I was still not done yesterday with her dress, and they left it too. But see, I teach, and I teach those classes, and they got let out. I got to head home because I was done teaching. It was Nate's surgery. So I was just kind of really relieved that I wasn't trying to teach and think about stuff. But I had to go home and I had to finish um, her dress. Well, skirt, anyway. So I had to finish it. So I went home. I, I finished teaching at like 10:15, which is much earlier than I'm normally done. So I ran home. I knew that they had to be there at 2 o'clock. At 12.30... I tell my husband, like, you need to pray, like, hard, because this is not cool. I'm on the phone with him. I'm like, you've got to Get on your knees at your office and pray doing, for the formal yes, gown. I was doing this patterned um, lining on the inside of the skirt, and I did it a little bit asymmetrical, so the front is just a little bit up, so you could see the lining in the back. high-low thing. And, which is funny, I did that, because I usually despise high-low, but anyway, I thought it would be cute. So... Um, so cute. I am still, I am still cutting it out and plus I'm making it up as I go along. So I'm having to like really make sure it's going to fit and it's going to go in nicely and everything. 1230, I'm still cutting it out and she has to be dressed and, and at the place at two o'clock. So, so now we're plus in it's like formal gown, not formal ready gown, slash brain surgery attack, going over plus time. Why are we not hearing yet about Nate? So it and then at 12:40. Okay, so this is 12:30. I'm telling my husband pray harder. And at 12:40, uh I get a text from my daughter who is a sophomore. He's like, "Mom, 
you know we have class, right? <laughs> and I was like, what? And I had another class I was supposed to teach in the afternoon. And oh, I my. just flat forgot. Like, I... I don't know what happened. Well, it was sending a total out, You're sending blank. out prayer chains and for so your... And so, how to make everything a bazillion times worse is like, now I'm not at school and I'm supposed to be at school and what on earth is happening? Plus, I think it was just mentally because the seniors and juniors yeah. were dismissed early. I just had it, it in my head anyways, that like, yeah. oh, the students got dismissed. I totally forgot the sophomores weren't. So anyhow... Now I'm at home with an unfinished dress and I'm supposed to be at class. And so I called Ben and he, like the saint that he is, <laughs> bless the man. He went running up and subbed for me in the sophomore rhetoric class so that I, anyway. But then it's like the whirly sewing for an hour, still not hearing about Nate. Yeah, it was not good. Oh my word. I finished that stupid thing at 1.40. They had to be there at 2. And I think we got texted at about like... 140 that he had just the surgery was just complete so there were multiple levels of relief that all converged at 140 (laughs) i had yesterday yesterday i started making bread well actually i started making bread the night before but i started you know i made the leaven and then i mixed the dough for four loaves yesterday and then luke was luke stayed home during the surgery he just stayed he worked at home and whatever and then he says he's like let's go out to Deary to this place that we like the pie safe he's like let's just drive you know but I couldn't leave the bread dough because it has to be turned every 30 minutes like you have to Mm. you know for the first three hours so packed it with us (laughs) first Driving to a bakery in Deary with on the road. two bins of bread dough fermenting. Like, <laughs> I brought it on the bulk ferment oh, with word. us. It was really happy bread. It must have liked it. It was like that special. You take your bread out on a trot. The special touch is you know? to bring it with you in the car. And it was a little silly because it's a pretty wet dough. So I usually rent, I run my hand under the faucet before I turn it so you get mm-hmm. your hand wet so it doesn't yeah, stick. Right. And I, I, there was like one moment where I almost brought a pitcher full of water to like rinse my hand and then <laughs> I felt like that was going too far. So I left that but instead we had to go into the bakery. I had to go wash the dough off of my hand. Oh, I my had Lord. like my hand all doughy. It's a little extra to do it in a bakery. Like we've come to your bakery. We came but to your bakery but I'm don't worry. My own bread don't worry. Me. We're in the bulk fermentation process in the suburban. That's, That's what, really and funny. then, and then after we were done in there, we got coffee and the boys had some, a pastry and then I went out, it's like turned it in the car while they went to the park. That's funny. Yeah. It was pretty silly. Oh and, my uh, word. Yeah. And I was happy. flat worn out by the end of that afternoon yesterday. It Ooh. was a lot of emotional, See, emotional, I'm still behind. uh, resources needed yesterday. I felt like I was really chill all day. Like I was doing great. Like I was steady. I was decently chill. No, I felt like I was not strong. It wasn't like I was battling with a lot of anxiety. I was obviously praying a lot for them. And like, and really it was on my heart and on my mind, but I was not being, um, you know, I I felt like not, I was not being radically emotional or anything. You know, Uh it was just like, yeah, uh, it was all good. 
and still when I got the text that he was moved to recovery I burst into just stupid tears <laughs> like like now I'm just crying like a dork like now that he's out of surgery it's like apparently there was a lot of ambient stress going on that I was not looking straight That's at so like I funny. feel like I didn't feel tense or straight you know like I was just waiting yeah I was meanwhile in a frenzy trying to help my daughter with her hair and make sure the dress was fine and, and then we get the text that he had he'd just been moved to recover right and i was like oh my goodness i think i'm gonna cry oh my word it, i didn't was, but i kind of did it was and now they're in the phase where it's like there's not really much turnaround i was really feeling for heather last night because i'm here not there and obviously he's our brother but not our husband not yeah. you know and it's like so I was feeling like she was the same way, except for it turned around so quickly from being the adrenaline of making it through the surgery to being now all the really hard part yeah, starts. Yeah, I think this is hard. This yeah. is the part that's much harder than, than the surgery. The surgery is like other people are doing that, and we're really thankful that it went well, and his face is not paralyzed. Oh, so Which is a wonderful. real mercy. And... It sounded like the surgeon, that's what the surgeon was happy about because of the way it was entangled with the facial nerve. It sounded like he said he was happy with how it ended, but that it was really gnarly. Yeah. I think he was pleasantly surprised that he did not have his face paralyzed. It right. sounded like it was like, yeah. yay, good news. Lots um, of prayers. Lots but of prayers. Still there's lots, but still there's lots to pray for about him. Like, because he's been really nauseous because of the... Partly probably because of the anesthesia and everything, and Pain partly, and, yeah, and your brain being inflamed, then, but partly because they cut the balance nerve, so right. part of it is, is having yeah, to relearn just, balance yeah. and feeling like he's, he's said this is the bull I have to ride. I think it probably really feels like riding a bull. <laughs> I think it feels like being horribly seasick yeah. or something. You know, yeah. like it's a weird thing to have yeah. to work through. So. But I'm so happy Lots we're on the other side for. of yes. the surgery. That's wonderful. Yes. And how about that other than the surgery? What are you? Oh, I know what I wanted to talk about. Uh -huh. Do this it. This is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about talk it. Talk about it. This is me talking about it. Mm -hmm. Here's what I'm bothered by. Brace myself. Yeah. This is a thing that peeves me. And I just, I feel like I see this a lot in a lot of places on social media from Christians. And I feel like we ought to know better. And that is acting like we have to be so cautious about telling women that they are in sin about anything. <laughs> that we have to like tiptoe and we have to be delicate. No, if we're going to say anything about and pastors sin. pastors must be cautious because they are men. I think and they don't if understand. we're going to say anything about women's sin... It has to be so deeply entangled Qualified. in the mauve fog that no one could identify it. Yes. Like, I feel like it has to be so elusive. Kind of like, don't you know that there are women everywhere who struggle with feeling whatever? And the th here's the thing. This is what I am bothered about. I am obviously not a feminist. And feminists, you know, fuss about wanting an equal wage and demanding respect for this and respect for that. And... And I'm not on board with that. But the one thing <laughs> you, that can... <laughs> you're like, equality and rebukes. <laughs> what the I want is, is equality is, and like, rebukes. You know, the apostles 
And the the authors of the New Testament at least had enough respect for women that they thought <laughs> they could them between be, the eyes no, that the... they could be big kids and be treated like they could be Christians too. And I just feel like what is it with acting like women are such tender flowers that we cannot bring up a female sin without no, qualifying ourselves into the dirt and I, it just really bugs no, me because it's like, do we think women are rational creatures who can actually be treated as if we're rational creatures and told when we're out of line and that we w- should be able to handle that, assess it, so there's and something change that our I, course? This might sound like a detour, but I think it's relevant. Well, there's something that we have uh, one particular child. We have a number of children, but we have one that this has come up with occasionally, which is... And I think it's a uniquely feminine temptation. So I don't know. I'm okay. just bringing this up because what it is is that weird little chain of things in your brain that says, I want thus and such. I would like to paint my nails. Okay. And it's like, I'll ask if I can paint my nails. If mom loves me, she'll say yes to painting oh, my nails. Right. right. If, and then when you say no, it's like taking that as a really personal yeah. hurt. And we've talked a lot. Um, here comes Shed. Here don't comes Shed. To... You don't know? Okay. I don't I'll... know where the button that turns it on. Where the, the button that turns it on. Okay. I'll handle it. I'll be right in. So, <laughs> back to this. So, basically, if you set up a little chain of things that is like, this is this would mean love. They're not doing this. Right. Therefore, they don't love me. And we have talked a lot about this, and and she gets it. She's working on it. You know, it's like whatever. Says that you have to learn to hear love, the way people express it. Like sure. you can't. And women are bad at this. Your husband could be saying, "I love you. You're beautiful. I love you." Mm-hmm. And they're like, "If he loved me, he would take me out to dinner sometime." Oh my word! I talk. And and he's like, "I love you." I was like, Psha. "You, you didn't know, take I me actually, out to dinner." I actually and, one time talked to a woman. Who, who was saying that her husband never expressed love, but as we as we pursued it further, we find out that he frequently bought her surprise gifts, left them on her pillow at night, <laughs> like chocolate, etc. And then she's like, "But if he really knew me, then he would know that that actually doesn't. I don't appreciate that. I don't care. And so he's he should know." that that doesn't actually and, bless me. And, and one I'm of the weirdest like, things about that is oh, how backwards word. that is because because basically what she's saying is if he knew me, then he would express this differently. And it's like, yeah, and if you cared to know him, right. you would listen you would to what it. he's saying. Yes. Like you would care to hear that this was yeah. an effort that yeah. he was making. Yeah. And I think the thing, I was, the reason I was bringing that up is that as a culture, we have started saying that pastors loving women Means has to look this particular way them. and it would never mean they would never tell a woman that anything in the marriage is her fault they would never tell a woman that she ought not to talk to her husband that way right. they would never tell a woman that they, she ought and, not to dress that right way. because they're saying that would not be love because that would make her feel well, judged but the reality is is a woman who's really walking with god actually wants rebuke actually wants actually to hear wants to get better wants, wants to, to hear like yeah. even if it's hard it's like no discipline is pleasant at the time but it's like well yeah it also, it's not pleasant but it's pleasant that you're getting things right and that and you're the moving thing along. Is, is the thing that bothers me is i've seen some people saying you know pastors are men so they have to be especially careful 
about not, you know, thinking they understand women too much, which basically means, do you not think women deserve to have a pastor? Like, women are like, do we have to stay in the outer yeah. court where we don't get pastored? Because I have a weird question that I should probably have it? researched before this moment. Aren't boy sheep... <laughs> Aren't they rams? <laughs> are they? And now for something completely different. Are no. boy sheep rams? Well, I think or rams are boy, are boy sheep. sheep. I know, but like when you see a whole flock of sheep. Like what's the feminine version of a ram? Is that what you're no, asking No, no, I'm, I'm actually the, the sheep are girls a lot of the time. This is what I was going to say is that no good shepherd doesn't care about the the, the females, females of the flock because yes. that's the whole that's the whole inheritance and i'm saying like you think cows they really keep the bulls at a minimum and in the like it's not the main work of shepherding but then i just suddenly was wondering you know like i know rams are boy sheep but do they separate the boys from the girls and no sheep idea. man we Either should check way, this out my question like is the metaphor is that works that, my point is that a pastor is a shepherd and the it is it is hardly not his concern where yeah. the, i mean this sounds really i'm not trying to be devious sounding here but it is like it's hardly irrelevant how the females in the flock are doing that's the whole point I think it's of, of being a shepherd crucial. and a, Yes, and I'm doing. saying not just because they're 50% of, they're not just 50% of the, um, How are you? just a second, but thanks. They're not just 50% of the flock currently, they're 100% of the future flock. Yeah. Gosh, like yeah. what I'm saying is like the, the women, how the women are doing has everything to do with, with how, how the, the uh, yes, future what's coming. Yeah. That's what I remember dad saying one time um, to a guy who was, so hardcore homeschool like that's the only way but also don't educate your daughters because they only need to know how to cook and clean and have babies and I remember dad pointing out the real error in that whole system <laughs> one of the many errors but one of them being who do you think is going to homeschool your grandsons this and hot he, idea of don't bother and, to teach the women and anything he said the level to which you educate your daughters is the level to which you want your grandsons to be educated yeah you don't and the you thing don't is aim that's low. so true with don't the women in the church like if you just let women like sink in the weird little emotional slew of despond because you can't help them out because that might not be sensitive enough. Well, like, who do you want? Like, the You're way scripture talks the about ship. my son, like, listen to the law of your mother. Do you think, like, do you think of that woman? The woman who's laying down the law for the king. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Who's yeah. like, this is my law. Like, yeah. this is, and it's wise. Not only is this what I'm telling you, but it's wise. And it's like, do you think that that woman was the kind of woman who couldn't take rebuke, couldn't yeah. take, couldn't take hearing something that was like, what you're doing is not honoring God. Right. You think you're, that you need to change course. You think? Do you see her being like, oh, how dare he? This hurts my feelings. How dare he? Speak I feel to me. like now people think that I may have had a sin sometime. Well, you're like, well, yeah, yeah. But it just, I think that honestly, part of the evangelical world acts as if women don't sin. Or if they do sin, we it's, must leave them in it because to pull them out would be unkind or something. And I think, to be honest, I think it's really sometimes driven by fear. Oh, I think of, it's definitely fear. Of how the women I will think it's respond. Not, it's not that women are so weak. It's that they have become incredibly manipulative. Well, they have learned they, to... Yes. The thing is, I think we all know how tears can be weaponized. 
<laughs> I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, we know about that. And I think that many of these social media slash blog posts are basically taking the weaponization of tears and turning it into an actual argument and trying to pretend like it's valid and trying to act like... Well, sometimes it's just like the presence of the tear is enough to make us realize we shouldn't have done this. Yeah. But like sometimes I've been rebuked for things that I ended up thinking was not... Like that you had to work through because Mm -hmm. the rebuke stung and because you're like... And there have been times both that I've been rebuked, worked my way through it, and thought, yes, actually, right. that is a problem. You know, like, and yeah. I need to change that. Or sometimes you don't. Sometimes you yeah. work through it and you're like, actually, that was just a random... Right. I, I actually don't feel like but this like, is let's a problem. Say, let's say that you were rebuked and the person rebuking you was wrong. Right? They were just right. genuinely wrong. Now, the thing is... Usually wrong about your motives Are you a strong enough human... That you can deal with another person being wrong about you. It's not just or, being a strong enough human. It's recognizing that even if a random person gives me some feedback that was wrong or misjudged me, that it's still profitable for me to, to, have to hear it, it, to work through it, to have that conversation with God about, am like, do I need to feel guilty about this or do mm-hmm. I not? Like I was rebuked once. Um, really hardcore by someone in a way that really stressed me out because I was young and it was all kinds of things. And I confronted someone on fornicating (laughs) (laughs) and I was angry with someone for fornicating because as it turned out, I was angry with myself because I was young and I was making too many allowances. I was like, just because they don't do things the way we do things doesn't mean they're living in rank sin. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it was this girl who was giving me hundreds of hints. Now I would have confronted her on fornicating about about <laughs> a year before I did this time. <laughs> there was extenuating circumstances, but now I would have no doubt from the get-go. Right. Then I was young and I was like being like, well, kind of naive. Yeah. Just because he comes over to give her back rubs doesn't mean they're sleeping together. You know, and you're yeah. like, now I would have just been like <laughs> Right off the bat. Instead, I treasured up all of these weird red flags in my heart until finally I was like, what? Are you sleeping with him? Anyways, turned out they were struggling with that. I was like, no, 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 no. Like, it was just made me so mad. Anyways, when I I said my piece about that, got a follow-up later. Follow-up rebuke both both from the person the fornicator herself and also from a friend of hers like from both of them and both of them just flipped out mad at me and like you had no right like you had no right like nobody asked you to keep me accountable like well except god yeah but that this was a thing is that (laughs) i felt horribly guilty just because of the language that they were using. Like, just because it was like, how dare you? You couldn't have done this. Like, I I was... Just the situation of being rebuked and confronted like that was heavy from older women. You know what I mean? Like, like it was heavy. And I cried, I think, about it. You know what I mean? Like, But, but I, just, I, but I, I couldn't back like... down because I knew that I was right. And I knew that they were wrong. And I knew that I said, you did, too, ask me to keep you accountable when you told me all those things that made it clear that you were not. And I you know, feel like... like part of the story, for people who didn't hear it, it was actually some pretty... It, it, it wasn't just like an average 
little person who was struggling with it. It was somebody who had a ministry. No, it was pretty, it was high-handed. It, it was, was a, uh, it was high-handed. It was very high-handed. Yes. In the abstinence ministry, someone who <laughs> travels. No, it was just, it like, was just involved in, it was, it But was, it was somebody whose, whose abstinence was basically their party platform that you found out was doing this. So it wasn't, it, there was more of yeah. a... Well, it was, invo- yeah, it was which more it, Which elaborate. explains, I'm just saying, because you said you were angry about it. I'm just I was saying, angry because I felt like it was uncovering the sin in the camp, like, uh-huh. where you're like, are you joking me? Like, in the yeah. like, are you serious about this? Right. Like, you didn't think that this was important information. <laughs> like, you thought that this didn't matter. You know, it was bad. Anyways, but the point is, is that my point is that being rebuked by a Christian who was out of line, misjudging my motives, totally wrong anyways. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like, there was nothing about what they did. that n- Them rebuking me was completely unfounded in the sense of, like, but and it was hard on me, and it took me a long time to process it. It was hard to yeah. process it, but I knew I couldn't apologize. And it was a really formative spiritual experience for right. me. Right. And so you think, like, even though I was being really wronged, it wasn't like I wouldn't go back and undo that at all. Yeah. Like, I was so thankful for it. In retrospect, I was thankful for it at the time when I realized, like, no, I actually am convicted of this, like yeah. what I'm standing up for. I'm, I'm not going to apologize to you for saying you shouldn't have done yeah, that. Right. Like, uh, you shouldn't have. God <laughs> hates it. I still hate it, too. We all hate it together. It was one of the few times that I got so annoyed about something. Like, I'm not a real crier. And here I am talking twice in one episode about crying. I'm not a big crier. But that was one time that I went from that interaction that was fairly explosive when it happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? It turned into a... I wasn't, it's not like I was screaming. I cared a lot. Like, I was really like, I can't even, I can't even believe it. This is what we're dealing with here. Uh And I went straight from there to dad's office because I was just like, I just have to talk to dad about this. (laughs) And I walked into his office and just burst into tears. Like, I was just (laughs) so angry. I don't think I have ever cried of anger like that. Like, I was just like, and it was one of those things where it was like the, it was like the circle within the circle of angers because I was angry at myself for taking that long to to recognize that all of these weird little threads of things that were, you know, like all of these things were constantly coming. She was telling me all these things and it, and it didn't make sense. And I, and I just was trying to, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt for like a a year. I mean, it was too long. And then by the time I realized and then I just felt like an idiot. You know, it was like, I, and then I had to do that thing. It's an awkward thing to ask someone. It's an awkward thing to, to then follow up the rebuke on. Went to dad's office and just was like, <laughs> dad was like, whoa. Like, I still remember his face as he turned around his desk. <laughs> like, he is like, what on earth is happening? Because I'm, I'm not that way. Anyways, barreling into his office. I'm crying like, at no, it. Dad! That's when oh, I was in college. My word. It was a college. No, but I just think the thing is, though, is so that's an example of you being rebuked wrongly. But I, but just I think, also hurt her. I rebuked her, yeah. and and more than that, I mean, I rebuked her, and I was like, and I'm also not only am I keeping you accountable. If you don't fix this right now, I'm bringing in a next wave of accountability. I'm going to spread the news further about what you're struggling with. And, but my point is, I wasn't, I didn't, 
like maybe I didn't do that perfectly, but I did it honestly. I did it before God the way I should have. And it is like, there's no, she was in sin and there's no, like, it was a high handed kind of sin. Um, yes, but even if it hadn't been that, I would still be obligated to say something. Yes. My point yes. is that a Christian rebuking you for open sin is something that... Yeah, and like, let's say that they're wrong. I mean, I've been rebuked before for wearing pants, and I don't think that I needed to... Mm. I don't think I needed to be rebuked for that. Like, Listeners, I, you didn't know. No. Becca wears pants sometimes. I wear pants upon occasion, and this person thought that I ought never to wear pants because it was, you know, right. a concession to the feminists or something. And I was rebuked for that, and I thought that it was bonkers, but it's like... But you still had to think through an argument about yeah. why you think it's it legit made, to wear pants. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But to if I had, like, hyperventilated and done the, like, how dare you? Do you not know how much you hurt me? Do you not know that you cannot talk to women that way? Because we will... Sorry. I just think the New Testament is full of um, instructions to the women. This is how you ought to behave. This is how you ought not to behave. They didn't act as if the women needed to be danced around and... no. And this is something that I have said before, probably not on the podcast though, um, is that like people get offended by Paul saying things like wives submit to your husbands and they're like, you know, but when you're dealing with women who have like a bad association yeah, with some they have words, traumatic or they have with things, men. and I should say, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm very sympathetic to people who have traumatic histories. I have a number of friends who have abuse or rape in their past or have been yeah. uh, like, I know a lot of people individually that I have tried to walk through this with. So it's yeah. not something that I'm dismissing from no... No. Uh, but the thing about trying to say that we know better than the Bible does. We know better than Paul. We, we're we going to deal with this like better. we have to water this down because I'm like, he well, didn't know Paul about this. When Paul was talking to the Ephesians, he's talking to... Like, now people say, you don't understand. One in four women have been abused or been through things. And it's like, well... Then I'm pretty sure there might like, have been like one in cow. fifty who had not been. Oh, if you like, know anything, like so, about... when Paul said wives submit to your husbands, he's talking about women who've been forced into temple prostitution. Go oh, yeah. ahead and submit to that man who probably was raped. Do you know, like they were all sexually abused I, and molested. I, I, you and talk confused. about the church at Corinth. I, you feel like there's probably not a soul in there that hadn't been that doesn't have sexual baggage, molested, molested or molesters. I mean, the boys, the, men, the man who was converted may have been using the temple prostitutes. Well, and now we know that they were because Paul had to keep telling him right, to stop. You should lay off that going <laughs> to the temple prostitutes thing. But my my point is when he says wives submit to your husbands, and everybody he could be talking like to it's not a, sensitive enough. For it's people, not sensitive enough to for people who have been like, hurt. So what you were talking about is a saved sex worker with the saved sex worker user. Like, this is the merit, you know. Or like, even the men, often the young boys were, oh, yeah. were molested. Off, like, it's, the thing is, Paul was addressing a very, very rough crowd. No, he was addressing people who have been through more than anyone yeah. we know. And I feel like we actually are so far removed from the brutality of the first century world that it's right. it's ridiculous of us to act like we're the ones in the real like trenches. Like, we know how it's hard. And people... People do have truly horrible stories, and yes, they do have baggage. But I think that to discount the teachings of the apostles a, because of that is what is that book is that to Dad wrote? That's the, like the tract. It's like clean water, broken bread. It's it is that the gospel of sin, forgiveness, repentance is the most basic life-sustaining sustenance. Like it is powerful 
to save through the worst things. Yeah, and it and will when save we start, women. Right, and when we start acting like you have to, like, hem and haw and, and narrow it down and not do it oh this way word. and don't do that. It's like what we're saying is that these perfect tools for salvation, forgiveness, restoration, repentance that God gave us were being too good to use. We're yeah. like, no, Lord, we don't want that. We want to come up with some like, obscure gadget that's kind of like the baggage. salad shooter that will, <laughs> that will heal your wounds. Like, instead of doing the broken body of Christ and his shed blood, yeah. we're like, no, is, no, no, you're wrong. What we like, need here is more of a smoothie. But my thought is, I mean, I don't want to be rude, but if you cannot handle blog posts that ruffle your feathers will stay off the internet honestly don't turn it on if you can't handle it sometimes i can't handle it and that's why i don't read them no but i just mean like if you're the kind of woman <laughs> yes. who really can't hear any criticism because it sends you into a yeah breathy, well you should get attack, you should definitely then stay yeah. off the internet like read the bible but don't read any blogs but but whatever the case don't act like well, people you're gonna be in a constant dither about what some Christian said that you think might reflect badly on you. It's yes. like, I can't take it. It's like, be a big kid. Seriously. Well, most importantly, Christians need to be able to talk about actual decisions, actual life, applied Christianity. Yeah. And if we act like this doesn't change anything, this doesn't yeah. do anything to our real lives, then it's just, but, it's just But stupid. the like running around shielding all the women from the criticism. I just, that is actually me. when you say shielding it, it actually is reminding me of, you know, those in the colonial times because of the smallpox, how they would put wax on their faces. They would, they would wax their faces. To, well, that was to cover the scars. To cover up the scars. Right. But they would be all, and that's where the, where the line to crack a smile yeah, comes from. Yeah, don't crack a smile. Don't yeah. crack a smile. Cause if you waxed all of your smallpox scars and then you just got really tickled. You'd be like chunking actually, wax off your yeah. face. It's a terrible thought, isn't it? But anyways, uh, you know, what was you saying that about shielding it? How they had those little guards, the little heat shields for the yeah, fireplaces. Yeah, little pointed screens. To like be careful to yeah. not melt the wax, the wax off yeah. of your face. You like So you can sit fire. by the fire but have a little shield. It's like Christians are thinking that that's what we want to do. We want to always be between our weird... Uh, our, our weird whatever it is Basically, that we're doing and wounds. the fire of yeah but it's like it's like the fire of the gospel of sin of repentance it was like we always want to keep our women in the shade from that and not actually ever just dealing with it right. not ever letting right. this actually just be addressed right. and, and, I, I, and it's sadder because in the illustration that I'm talking about it was just wax and a fire. But if you're thinking about the fire as actually being something that would heal this yeah. wound, you're saying that the fire would actually fix the problem. Right. And you're like, no, I want the wax on here instead. So I right. have to always keep something between but me and the fire. And the thing that's usually being shielded is the wounds. Right. You know, it's like, no, my wounds over here mean that you can't bring the gospel to bear on it. And it's usually like in the details. But mm -hmm. like people who do this would say, well, no, I'm all about the gospel. I'm just not about... Um, ever having it touched down in any kind of, you know, practical way. As soon as you make it practical, then I get mad because of my wounds. And it's yeah. like, I just, I just think that women ought to have more respect for um, themselves. Like you should be more of a, and for other women and for other women and not, and not treat it as if women um, are too, well, I don't know. It's like it's like they're the little dainty group that can't handle the truth, so 
we'll just keep them off to the side and everyone has to tiptoe and use our quiet voices around them. Right. And I just think, like, come on, let's give women more respect than that. I, that mm-hmm. bothers me. All right. I think it's clear that it actually bothers the both of us. Yeah, I think it's... Yeah. Well, annoyance. maybe I have to come back to that topic because I think there's some future good in there. I think there's a lot to be said there. You should dig around more in, like, practically Even how you like do it. just, like, how to handle it. Right. Like, what yeah. do you, how do you handle criticism or something? Or what do you look for? How do you... Yeah. Like, I think one important thing is to not immediately respond by trying to build a defense. Yeah. But to know sometimes that you're saying that hurt and I'm opening my heart up here to God to say, if this is actually pointing out something that I need to see, show it to me. And if it's somebody telling me I shouldn't wear pants, it's like, you know what? I think you're wrong. But actually, I'm going to think through why you're wrong and it's going to make me actually... uh, try and come up with a scriptural reason for what I'm doing. And let's say I did that and I realized he was right. Then I hope that I would be a big enough person to be like, you know what? I saw that. Turns out you had something there. I looked at that and I discovered that I was in the wrong. Anyway, we need to stop talking. Look at how late it is. Do you ever recommend? Oh, uh, recommend something. What's the genre? Recommend a product in your house that is better to buy vintage than new. You know, I, because of, back to my bread journey, my favorite, my favorite bowl that I use all the time for bread or like dough rising or whatever uh-huh. is that vintage, the um, Tupperware fix and mix that we had a yellow one growing we up. We had the one, yellow I plastic that bread bowl, bowl with a little rubber lid. Yeah. On top. But it was and, big. It was a great uh, yeah, big bowl. Big 26 cup. And I love it. And I had one that I found somewhere, I don't remember where, and then I found another one at a yard sale. I had a green one and I had a yellow one. And it was like, I couldn't get enough of those. It's what I use them all the time. They're like, And I have other bowls, but I use those all the time. They're okay. the ones that I love. Yeah. And part of what I love about them is because they're lightweight, you feel very connected to the bread because you can hold it and turn it easily. Like you feel like you can scrape the sides. It just works yeah. really well. Sure. I work well with it. I like it. It's yeah. my favorite. Plus plastic. Or ceramics, okay, but for bread rising, it was good anyways, instead of metal. Right. And um, so I had two, and then something happened to one, melted or something. And um, <laughs> the green one, it's really cute. Well, I got real serious about, I need more of this bowl. Yeah. And I knuckled down on it, looking online, looking at eBay, been looking at Goodwill for a long time, not finding it. I post online in our, like, like if anyone have one of these that they would sell me. Like, cause I'm like, I need like five of them that very night, the last remaining yellow bowl melted. Somebody put it on the burner <laughs> the very night that I'm like, I've got to multiply my Tupperware bowls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been looking for months for these things. So listeners, if you find the vintage fix and mix, or you have seven of them in your cupboard somewhere and you want to sell them to me. You know, now you know where the market is. So, uh, but now I went and I, I actually bought two new Tupperware bowls. And they are not as great, but they are. I think I can come to terms with them. Good. I'm glad to hear I this. I felt like it was just going to be too hard to start collecting these from hither and thither in the world. <laughs> like for, there's one thing about buying, spending $30 on a plastic bowl. There's just something about that that doesn't feel quite like it like I should be buying this for two dollars not for 30 but buying it new didn't feel that great either but at least it feels better than buying one that's stained like a stained plastic bowl for 30 dollars I'm sorry no 
Nah, but the colors funny. of the vintage ones are way better. They're like that jadey green yeah. that's really cute, and then the and like a buttery yellow. They're cute. I want more of those, but that's snap. really funny. Yeah, hard so times for me. Well, look at we've been talking way too long. I'll recommend something another day because it's what? Like, look, okay. it's for, this is like way long. Yeah, well, I had to take a break. Yeah, you did. All right, all right. Thank you for coming. We'll talk to you all next right. time. Bye. Bye. Thank you.